welcome to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Good morning, Mateo. How are you, man? I'm good, brother. How are you? I am good. We have an amazing guest today. We yeah. are recording a day later than normal because our guest has a little cold, but went from 70% <laughs> yesterday to 80% today. So um, we're, we're recording. I'm, I'm excited about it. How was your weekend? Did anything exciting happen over the weekend? Uh, the 49ers won. Um, you know, it was, <laughs> it was an amazing football weekend. Uh, no, man, you know. Life is, uh, life's good, man. 2022 is, uh, feeling refreshed, um, feeling ready to, to get back to a lot of wonderful things, traveling, etc. So. Me too. Uh, you know, uh, dealing with all these, uh, the ups and downs and the, the variants are popping their ugly head and, and making things difficult. But, uh, I think we're, we're going to be all right. We're, I'm excited. Yeah, um, definitely great. not a gloom and doom year by any means. I, I feel pretty good about it. Um, I mean that it's not going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Knocking on some wood too. Yeah. I'm going to knock on a little bit right here, but I want to go ahead and introduce our guests. I don't want to sit here and waste too much time uh, bantering back and forth today. Uh, today we have the president of CTG advisors and Olin realty group, Jacoby Olin joining us. Thanks so much for joining us today, man. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well feeling a lot better today and uh, happy to have a good conversation with you too. Okay. Well, we're glad you're at 80%, you know, next time we'll get you back when you're on you're at a hundred and we can kind of revisit this maybe later in the year. <laughs> the, uh, <clears throat> the reason, the reason that, you know, obviously there's m many things that we, we want to go ahead and talk about, but you know, you had a pretty fantastical year. Um, with, with some of the things you you accomplished as a uh, with C2G advisors, um, you know, we want to go ahead and get into maybe, maybe we kind of touch on that briefly, but then kind of get into your story of how you kind of got into this. But, you know, what were the number? How many you, you put a number out on 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 social last week? And it was like, was it 184 million? What was the number exactly that, that you helped get across or deals you negotiated? Yeah, so it was, uh, we did right around 20 deals overall for 2021, and it was uh, just north of 180 million. Um, mm. And that was a mixture of uh, short-term vacation rental property management companies, um, technology providers, and then some of the um, kind of asset portfolio acquirers, uh, real estate acquisitions. That's amazing. I, I know you can't talk, uh, you know, some of these are still uh, deals in the works and, you know, they're, you know, you're not allowed, you know, they're under NDAs, what you can talk about, what you can't talk about, um, what maybe what were a couple of the, uh, the, uh, that you can talk about some of the deals that you can mention. Yeah, sure. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so much of them are, are uh, confidential um, because there are, there are some buyers that, that like to, to do kind of press releases or, or I call it be, be kind of loud about their acquisitions. And there are other, other buyers that are, are quiet about it and, and are brand light. And um, there's, <clears throat> there's pros and cons to both, but uh, yeah, we, we did some deals with some of the larger, larger players, the, the Casas, the B trips. Um, uh, some of those deals, we also did some deals with some private equity uh, groups in the industry, um, mm -hmm. some venture backed, and then just some kind of like strategic acquirers that were uh, some of the larger regional players that were that were acquiring some smaller uh, operators in their markets. Um, but yeah, it was a fun time, and uh, we got to do some stuff all the way out in Hawaii um, to Florida and everywhere in between, and just got to learn. And yeah, it was fun. It was a good year, and um, <clears throat> and it was a banner year for uh, for pretty much most companies in this industry so like the deals were they were strong deals on on all ends there wasn't um there weren't bottom feeders happening it wasn't there weren't any distressed acquisitions 
No, but do you see that? Do you see that on the horizon? Like, you know, we were talking to, to Mike, you know, Harrington of Carolina retreats, you know, last week actually, and, you know, talking about some of his acquisitions, some of the things that he's been doing and, you know, right now he's, you know, you know, it's strong. And so there's no real, bar, you know, but when do you see, and do you see that changing in the, in the future at all? Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the million dollar question right there. Or I guess in today's climate, the billion dollar question. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to that episode and it was great. I have a ton of respect for Mike and, and I would echo kind of a lot of things that he said. Um, I think in the, uh, funny enough, a, a short aside, um, I played uh, college baseball as well. And I know he talked about that quite a bit. And, and I thought that was funny. Um, and so if I use some baseball references, I, I apologize on that. But um, as far as our industry as a whole, I, I, I truly think we're in the early innings of, of a, a bull run. Um, now, that doesn't mean not to <clears throat> spend time doing diligence and be smart about about future plays, but um, we currently have more interest and exposure on our industry than ever before. And that means we have more, <clears throat> more guest demand than we've ever have had. We have more uh, second homeowners looking to buy homes. We have more real estate investors than ever before. We have more institutional investors than we've ever had. And we have more entrepreneurs than ever before. And all of those our recipe for just strong growth and granted 2021 has been, was absolutely bonkers it, to be, to be completely honest. I'm sure you guys saw that as well, but our industry, we're, we're kind of fortunate enough to have a slight glimpse of the future based on advanced reservations and the booking windows and stuff of that nature. And many of the companies that we're talking to are showing better advanced bookings than they had in 2021 and 2021 was their best year ever. So I can, I can't speculate too far in the future, but I'm pretty bullish on the next 12 to 24 months. Um, As long as there's not like an external factor that might, might kind of pause it, whether that's political or, or uh, some COVID variant or something of that nature, which, I mean, we saw that firsthand two years ago. Um, but yes, I, I am definitely bullish um, on, on the industry for sure. That's uh, that's amazing, and and it and definitely you know it it reciprocates not reciprocates, but it 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 duplicates what you know what everyone is <laughs> thinking that 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 pays attention to our space right now. You know, it, the the majority of the people are are feeling the, the same way. And, you know, it's, it's that, it's that, you know, you're saying 12 to 18 months and then in 12 months, you might say 12 to 18 months again, because, you know, at that time you can make a better, uh, you know, analysis of what's going to be happening in the future. Um, how, you know, looking at your, your resume on LinkedIn, you know, you, you know, you came in, you're the, you know, co-founder president, uh, back in, you know, just 2018, I mean, truly, you know, I, I want to hear more about, uh, yeah, you know, back it. alley diner. Let's, let's talk about the back alley diner. <laughs> what, what is this? And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm curious to let, let, let's, how did you get to where you are today? You know, this is a, it's a family business, correct? Like, like to where you are today, but like, like let's, everyone gets into our space their own way. You know, I mentioned yeah. this, you know, probably 30 times now on, of the 36 episodes we've done. You know, I used to sell hardwood lumber. I stumbled into the industry. You know, you know, Mateo has his own story that stumbled into the industry. How did you find yourself where what you're doing today? And as not only find yourself there, but as a as, as a leading uh, mind in the in the MA space. Sure, sure, sure. And and thank you for the back alley diner reference. Um, long live bad. I'll, I'll get to that here in a second. Um, I, I think my story is probably a little unique that, um, I was actually one of the ones that was kind of born and raised in this, this short-term vacation rental industry, except there wasn't a thing called short-term at that time, Mm. um, in the, in the late eighties. And, uh, I grew up with my brothers, like In, in the panhandle of Florida, like taking trashes out and, and taking sheets off beds 
and having no idea what I was doing. I thought, I thought my dad worked in hotels and, um, I look back on those times and kind of laugh at them. Uh, cause I mean, that was like the beginnings of the internet and there wasn't Airbnb or VRBO and, and it, it was just, it was a simpler time, but, um, <clears throat> So, so definitely I was, I was kind of raised in this industry, uh, super fortunate to, to have a, uh, my father was kind of one of the earlier pioneers of the, the, the vacation rental industry and um, worked his way up and was the, the last CEO of Resort Quest, which was mm. uh, a public company in the, in the late 90s. And um, uh, so I was fortunate to do that. <clears throat> and then and uh, wait, wait, by your dad, since we're since we're here, we're, we're talking James Alton, correct? Mm-hmm. Just, I just want to make sure yeah. that we're we're, we're we can yeah. name drop here. He is your dad. <laughs> He's my father. Yes, unfortunately, <laughs> we look very much alike. <laughs> um, yeah, he's my father. Awesome guy. And then, uh, yeah, we're, we're all of us Olins are in the industry in one faster or the other. I've got a uh, my oldest brother Ryan. I have a ton of respect for him. He's in absolute stud he's uh he's the coo and and part owner of real joy vacations down in florida um they manage like i don't know 1300 uh condos and homes so Mm -hmm. easy easy pick up the phone and call if i ever have a question about about something real quick now i've got another brother that works with us here at cg as uh as an analyst and it's just an absolute stud um but uh yeah so did did college and then uh uh my father and, and mother, all they, they told us, they're like, we'll support you guys in anything you guys do, as long as y'all don't do anything with F&B. Do not get in the food and beverage business. It is, it is crazy, and the margins are terrible. So what happened was, was us three, three, three boys, we all got an F&B in one way or the other, because that's what you do to your parents. Yeah. Um, so my, uh, my middle brother and I, after college, he was, uh, we opened up a restaurant and bar in downtown Nashville and how that came about was honestly a little bit of that inside baseball where he, um, he was at that time dating, um, a girl whose father was the owner of, of the restaurant and bar. And we, so we knew that he was looking at, at kind of getting rid of it. Um, so we took over, we thought that would be super cool. We, we thought it'd be easy and all of that stuff. And uh, had that, and that was that was the birth of Back Alley Diner. Um, so, so this was an F U with F and B concept. Yep. So yeah, we we did that, and uh, right out of college, I thought I knew everything. I thought I was going to become a millionaire doing that, and all all of that good stuff. And uh, learned so much along the way. Um, I learned that I didn't know much as well yeah. along the way, which was pretty cool. Um, and we had that for just shy of a decade. Um, I have so many fond memories of there. I met my wife during that time. Um, and uh, yeah, over over the years, I started kind of thinking like, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? Do I want to be a, a restaurateur in, in my 30s and 40s and, and going up? And I uh, thought long and hard <clears throat> and was was kind of looking at many different options, uh, was studying, uh, to become an actuary actually, um, wow. kind of a complete 180. And, um, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> hold up, man. We're not going to let that go. You were studying to become a what? And so I, uh, and for I, those I out there who don't know, that's like one of the most insane positions to ever. It's like, forensic accounting on a whole different level it's a science for sure um, yeah not for the faint of heart or the faint of you know the ability to work with numbers so for all of those we don't know yeah, yeah. i want to hear about this how's this correct <laughs> who wakes up I, and uh, says they want to be an actuary <laughs> yeah. no, I, apparently i didn't do enough research i guess um no i i I was I was lucky to be to be gifted with some some math skills and and re- really enjoy um, kind of digging in to to um, uh, two different problems and trying to solve them. 
Um, so I, I, at one point I was going down that for a couple months, but, uh, actually my oldest brother at that time, had gone, gotten back into the industry. And then my father was doing C2G full time. And they basically convinced me like, Hey, you don't need to go stand behind a desk and crunch numbers all day. Like come join, get, get back in the industry and let's, let, let's, let's keep this going. So, um, talked with my wife and we, we decided that, that I'd make the jump back in, um, and I spent a couple of years uh, kind of shadowing my father and just kind of being mentored and, and learning as much as possible. And then, uh, yeah, and then five years ago, I, I hopped on full time uh, doing M&A at C2G and uh, just been kind of hustling ever since. So let, let's talk that's about this great, C2G. That's a great story, though. I, 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 I love it. I, I just thought I love that story. Um, I think I don't want to overshadow, you know, I think too often we take for granted legacies and we come from a business of, you know, <clears throat> legacy businesses, right? If you look at the root of vacation rentals and, and how that, you know, even, you know, the satellite companies that have come on to that, you know, oftentimes you hear kids don't want to go into the family business, even if they land into it later. But I, I, I just, it's inspiring to hear that you actually, you know, had this opportunity to come back in, work with your dad, spend time, learn, and to transition that into success and what you're doing today is just fantastic. And I don't want to overshadow that. I think it's an important part of your story. Thanks. And and I'm incredibly fortunate and blessed to be able to kind of have have mentors that were also family members to to help me guide me throughout that process. The uh, I tell me about your the what Tell me about the uh, C2G. What what does that stand for? Um, I'm just it's it's interesting. I, I like it. I'm just curious. What what is the C2G? So that stands for cradle to grave. Um, okay. Sometimes grave can have a negative connotation, uh, but but we don't we don't entirely see it that way. But basically, we like to hold our clients' hands from the beginning of the deal, from the cradle until when we put that deal to rest at the end, to the grave. Um, and so that's that's kind of how it was created and uh, and what we, kind of some of the services that we do uh, for our various clients, whether they're buyers or sellers or or developers or, or whomever, like we're, we're here to hold their hand throughout the entire process as much as they need us. I love that, so it's the whole uh, yeah. journey. From yeah. from inception of the journey to to the close of the journey, C two G. I love that. How do, so talk to me about that. Like, how does that how does that differentiate you from other people in the space that do the same things? You know, it, it's yeah, I get the concept, and but what what is it that brings people you know and keeps people to to you, right? Because deals die, but other deals pop up, right? So assuming that you're bringing you know you're looking to create you know reciprocal business and relationships. You know, what is the C2G kind of philosophy for doing that? What, why you guys? Yeah, yeah, good question. Um, and one of our ways that we, we, we feel that we can differentiate ourselves is um, our, our little niche that, that we've kind of uh, picked out within the industry is, is primarily representing uh, buyers and representing companies that are looking to grow through acquisition instead of representing sellers. Mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't mean that we won't also represent sellers. So typically in a year, we'll do 70% <clears throat> of our deals are representing buyers and 30% are representing sellers. Mm -hmm. And uh, so with our various buyer clients, we'll, we'll talk to them about and we'll create an investment thesis with them. And basically what that means is we'll, uh, we'll talk to them about different geographies or locations that they're interested in, in expanding into. And then we'll talk about uh, the different types of companies they might be interested in, whether they're upmarket, four bedroom plus homes or, or condominiums on the beach or, or whatever the number may be, or like a minimum threshold of, of units or something like that. Um, and then we've, we've kind of nurtured and massaged a lot of these relationships over the years uh, with various sellers. And then we will, we will kind of, we'll start, reaching out to the various sellers and, and kind of putting, putting the deal together and finding a good partner for, uh, for both parties. Um, because with these property management companies, it's such a, <clears throat> it's such a cautious, uh, 
type of you basically you don't want to rock the boat as much as possible and um the, these sellers have created these strong localized brands and as a buyer and and buyers that they, they make mistakes all the time but as a buyer you you kind of don't want to upset the, that apple cart and you want to make sure you you do the best the best deal possible moving forward um because yeah the assets of these these companies are these sometimes fickle contracts with, with homeowners that can be canceled within a 90 day right. termination period. <clears throat> so keeping, um, keeping that you know, secure and whether it's branding or whatever it, it may be is uh, I like that analogy of upsetting the apple cart and like you're, you know, you're coming into, you're purchasing a, <clears throat> a brand and existence, a, a relationships and, and how do you go ahead and, and maintain? And are you, are you maintaining, uh, you know, the team? Are you starting fresh? There's so many different, different pieces to that, that, you know, uh, I'm assuming that, you know, what you're doing is, is more than just, um, you know, the, the sales process, but there's, you know, there, there's a part of CT, their advisors, you know, part of your, your, you know, your C2G is like advising on best practices, correct? Yeah, no, totally. Um, and with the, with the employee part, uh, we're, we're at a time in the industry where, where pretty much most buyers and sellers are going to be aligned there where, uh, both sides in most deals want to keep the majority, if not all employees, um, staffing so tough right now. And, right. and people realize like, the employees are the backbone of these of these companies. They're they're everything for their relationships with the homeowners and for the operations. So um, there's that that is a, a key component right now. Yes, and uh, yes, with the advisory part, um, if we got a name for if C2G Advisors got a name for every deal we did, like it was a atrocious three months post deal. Like we wouldn't be around kind of doing deals anymore in the industry. So we're our main job is honestly trying to find two good partners to come together and, uh, and make sure that the, the three, six, nine, 12 months post-close is as smooth as possible for all parties. I love that. I got a, got a question for you. So, you know, with everything, you, you mentioned something earlier where you said, you know, we're at the kind of infancy and at the beginning of where we're going within this space. And it's chaos right now, right? Because you have all these new parties who have come in. You got private equity and, and all the funds that are investing. And you have all of the companies who are growing and scaling in, in these completely new and professional ways that haven't been done very much, right? So with the success of your business and what you're seeing, what does the future look like? What's that, rent, what's that runway look like over the next... I, I, I won't go too far out. Maybe two, three years. What are you, what are you seeing with your success and and what you see on the on, on the horizon? What does our industry look like? Whew. that's a robust. robust. Yeah, I, 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 I think I, John forgot to tell you to bring your crystal ball and, and all the other <laughs> stuff, but we're we're definitely digging in. But no, no, seriously, from your your I'll take a peg of that. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think that that the pie the pie of our industry is getting bigger in all different directions. And what I think that, that means is that there's going to be, there is currently more business models happening in, happening in our industry. Um, so, and I think Mike even alluded to this in the previous podcast, these kind of the Propco and Opco plays, these asset owners, they're coming in and buying the real estate. And it's happening on the, the small investor side where people are coming in and buying 5, 10, 15, 20 homes at a time, which is great. But the institutions are starting to, to look at these for portfolio buys for 50, 100, 150, 250. And I think that's going to be a whole niche of the industry that is going to be happening and is currently happening that's going to be super interesting with what that does. And if you look at just say an adjacent vertical, um, the long-term rental build to rent companies, that five to seven years ago, the largest players had hundreds of units or hundreds of homes in the US. Now the largest five or six players have 80,000 homes each in the US. So that the acceleration of that is, in, is a, a absurd. And right now, some of the largest asset owners in our industry have hundreds of homes. Mm -hmm. So I think 
five years from now, could there be five, six, seven REITs and institutional funds that have 50,000 homes? Yeah. I think there's a, there's a good possibility that's going to happen. What does that mean? Are there going, are they going to have exclusive partnerships with property managers that are going to manage all of those? I don't know. Or are they going to have different property managers in different markets? Or are they going to have the, the operations done in house? All of that's going to be super interesting to see how that works. Um, I really, I'm really think that's going to be cool. How that, how that's, <clears throat> how that works. Obviously the metrics in short-term rentals are vastly different than long-term rentals. And a lot of these people are starting to realize that. Um, so that, that's one piece of the pie I think is interesting. Um, as there's going to continue being more consolidation at the top, these 250 plus unit management companies, a lot of these legacy companies will keep getting acquired by either some of the larger players or new private equity coming into the industry. That's just, that happens as an industry stabilizes. And then there's going to be more fragmentation at the bottom though. Um, like I mentioned with these entrepreneurs, um, if you talk five years ago, if you talk to 25 different property management companies, you would hear the same story from 23 of them. They owned, at some point, they owned a second home in another location. They right. like a property right. manager right. Did, right. over, right. then their neighbors and friends or whatever asking, uh, voila, they have a company. Um, that is how our industry has been for the last 25 years. And now the last five years, last three years, we're having all these new entrepreneurs coming in and having in a thesis to, to add to focus, to professionalize property management, to focus on biz, business development, to focus on adding supply, to focus on the guest, guest experience. And not to say that legacy companies haven't done that. They're doing that currently as well. Mm-hmm. But there are, there are these newer, younger uh, groups coming in, raising funds that their sole focus is growth there. So as and, they're coming, players- and they're coming in with tech and they're coming in with yeah. like the tools to go ahead and be into scale, you know, quickly yeah, on top of it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and with somebody, mentorship in and in, in, in seeing, you know, in seeing three years ago success stories and being like, holy shit, I could do this too. Um, and they use XYZ, you know, <clears throat> you know, package or, or you know, tech stack and they're successful. So we already know what we want to do um, and how we're going to do it. So but in my question around that, I guess to both of you is, you know, is there room for everyone? Because the entrepreneurs on the bottom, you know, you see all this tech that's focusing on hosts and we'll say smaller managers, you know, the 20 and below, the 50 and below, you know, there's a lot of those managers out there, right? Like that's a sizable portion of our business, host slash manager, right? And we see the industry really pivoting to address them now, but with all this big money investment on the other side, where does this leave them? Are they just going to be playing the bottom feeder game, you know, kind of picking and scratching their, t- to their survival or, you know, how do they play well with others? Like, I, I think that's the interesting part to me, right? It's, I, I don't know how that fits in um, and, and what's really left for them. I, I think that, I mean, this, you know, obviously my, these are my thoughts, you know, I think that these, you know, 20, 30, 40 unit companies, um, there, there's a run, there's a run to where they're, they're successful. They're making money. They're doing well. Um, they're, they're putting they're they're finding success in channels. Um, they're getting, you know, they're, they're getting, you know, distribution that way. And, you know, then when it gets hard, the, like in every business, and, and I think Jacoby can go ahead and allude to this, there's, there's different tiers in which, which business plateaus. And then, and it's harder to get past that next tier. And then when you get past that, it's easy to go ahead and scale to a million in revenue. And then it, then it's 5 million. And then it's, you know, these are different, different, you know, tiers that you're going to reach. And each one of those tiers are hard and each one, you know, and when you get to those tiers, all right, are we going to push through this? Are we going to go ahead and unload this? Um, Because when you unload it, and especially in today's market, when it is a, a, a seller's market right now, um, they're going to make some money. And you want to just get out of it, but you know why are you in it? But what if that's what if that's not what they want? What if they're not trying to plateau and plateau and plateau? Like they're good with fifty, and they're good with scrapping every year to make sure that fifty or forty-eight or fifty-two is their number, and they're good with that. Like, you see, as long as they're putting heads in beds, I think they're fine with it. 
<laughs> but that's my point, right, Jacoby? Like, there are those. I think there's a good amount of those, right? And, oh, and, I, and I, say this, I say this shit all the time. Not everybody's trying to be Mikasa. And Harrington said it last week, too. He's got his own kind of model within that space. And I think, it, does it come to a clashing point at some point where they're all fighting for the same revenue or in the same owners? Or are, are they changing up their models? Because once you become an asset owner, that takes management or ownership out of the picture completely. Now you're just running from a performance standpoint. How do, who operates better, right? Who markets better? Who can put more heads in beds, right? You know, and that's, yeah, that, those are my questions. So right now, yeah. I don't think we're anywhere near saturation on guest demand or on supply of inventory. Mm -hmm. So I, I, think, I think guest demand's only gonna get better over the next three years. So I I mean, literally just throwing on Airbnb and Verbo. Um, not Hey, let's let's not, not forget Hopper. I'm just just putting it out Hopper. there. You yeah, know, <laughs> next 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 week we're going live in the, you know. Right. Hopper at ease. Who else? Yeah, let's not yeah. forget. Yeah. All good. Um, but yes, uh, I mean it's it's the industry is is SMBs. They're small, medium-sized businesses. It's like the US. It's just the, the larger players are the ones that get the PR and thus the ones that are talked about the most. Um, but yeah, in every market, there's, there's going to be more mom and pops, 100 units or less than there's going to be the, the private equity or the, the large operator that's at 300 plus properties. It's just at where institutions come in and where a lot of the deal flow happens right now yeah. is when what... Uh, uh, John was alluding to with that inflection point is in that when companies get to that like 250, 300 unit range, that's when private equity starts getting interested. And right. not all units are created equal, but in that couple million of EBITDA, and then those deals happen. And then there's uh, uh, they PR about it. And then there's a new crop of entrepreneurs that are building mm -hmm. that and then they'll replace the, those units in the next five years or so. And and so the story just keeps going, but there will always be the SMBs that are that are building solid, sustainable businesses, and they're they're living through and just like Mike was alluding to, and they're great, great uh, yearly salary, and they might pass that down to their kids and all that stuff. Um, that's just not as sexy as the the large deals that are happening, <laughs> so it doesn't get talked about as much. I I want to. I want to talk about, you know, back to CTG and, and I want to talk about sales cycle um, just because I'm curious from, you know, I, I've worked multiple different, you know, sales roles and, you know, you're an advisor, but you're a consultant <coughs> sale. Ultimately, you're, you're in sales, you're, you're helping sales. You know, when, when you first start talking to a, a prospect or someone that is interested in um, whether buying or selling, you know, what is the average sales cycle from start to finish um, from, from the first conversation to getting a deal signed? And I know there, there's many variants that go into this depending on deal size and how, you know, but if you were to put just an average on like the, well, that comes across your desk, you know, what, like, what would that be? Yeah. I'm just <laughs> curious. So like, like how, how long are you, you know, we're talking yeah. what no, is cradle to grave. So so typically, um, that, that's a great question. And as, uh, as a lot of things, it, it highly depends. Um, and I understand that. <laughs> being a buyer to become a client um, is, is a typically a quicker process um, because if we, whatever, if we, we somehow either get introduced to them or, or we reach out to them or we've had conversations with them at a networking event or whatever, um, it's pretty transactional. They'll tell us what they're interested in. We'll go over, um, how it might look fees and all that stuff. And then we'll, we'll, we'll send over a consulting agreement. We might get that signed immediately. And then we're out hunting for them. Um, I don't know if hunting's the right, right word there, but helping them source deals, um, for a seller that is, is super, um, just nuanced. So we had, we did a deal a couple years ago in Hawaii. Um, and, uh, I spoke with that seller for over three years, kind of nurturing a relationship. I talked to, to her <clears throat> probably once a month, once every two months. And we, we would just, we would just have conversations, understand. I talked to her where she needs to get to, to be able to get, cause a lot of these sellers have a number in mind 
Right. And they're like, we want to sell for X number. And I'm like, okay, well, you, you got to get around this, this amount to get to X number or something like that. So we've had times where, where it took three plus years and uh, nurturing that, that type of relationship. And then we have other times where we talk to a seller and whether they reach out to us or reach out to them or meet them or whatever. And uh, one of the first questions we'll have is a timing uh, conversation with them because a deal, a deal typically takes somewhere in that 60 to 120 days from like start to finish. So we'll be like, do you want to sell this year? Do you want to sell preseason? Do you want to sell postseason? Typically you don't want to sell in the middle of season just because it's, it's chaos. Um, so we have other deals that yes, where right when we, we speak to them, they're like, yes, I want to sell in three months. So we're like, okay, let's, let's get this, get this papered up and let's, let's start the process ASAP um, and everything in between. So I, that's a long way of saying I don't have a good answer for you. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's what I was trying to get out of it is there is no really great answer, but what what was, what is interesting and it always comes back to, and, and I think this is in, in general and consult sales and, and, and every aspect of business based on relationships, you know, you worked, Mm -hmm. you know, three years, you know, there's deals that I've, that, that I'm just now getting, or just got at track. That was, that were relationships I built when I first came in the space. And that, it, you know, it's just, and it's, we're in a relate, I think most sales are in a real, some sort of relationship industry, but I think the, our real estate and vacation rental and short term, like this, it's even more like, who do you trust? Like, like, who do you, you know, have you built that relationship? You know, it's, it's pretty interesting. And I, I love that, you know, I love hearing stories of the three years of, 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 you know, when you first meet somebody and they're first interested and then, you know, a deal finally closes three years later. I love those. Yeah, no, I, I echo that for sure. What's the next who, who, okay. Crystal ball again, who, and you don't have, you know, if you know, then, and you can't say, then, then you can't say, um, but like, who's going to make the next big, splash in in news as you know obviously we're talking bigger companies here and you know we're, you know we're, we're not talking smb who's going to make the next big like oh shit that just happened <laughs> um i think there's going to be a couple of um relatively large kind of private equity transactions that are going to happen in the next that are going to be announced in the next couple of months. Uh, so yeah. that, that'll be inter- interesting, some new entrants to the space. Yeah, um, yeah that, that, that'll be interesting. And then likely, likely some, of the, some of the bigger players are, are likely looking at, at continued growth. Okay. And they're not, and they're not hiding it either. Like they may not be putting the information out there, but they're not being quiet about it either. I think everyone is pretty clear about, you know, from what we've seen, John, right? Like I think it's fair to say people are pretty bullish on the growth right now uh, of the industry and aren't, aren't shying away. I don't hear a whole lot of people saying, ah, oh, you know what? I don't know. It's, uh, Think people are missing some things uh, i'm going to kind of sit this one out it's more along the lines of I, I think people have sharpened their pens and pencils and they're kind of salivating at the opportunities that seem to be on the table which i i'm interested to see how this all pans out i'm excited uh, i can't wait i think we're going to see i think we're going to see more um kind of technology consolidation happen in the next 12 to 24 months all the focus is kind of on property management companies. I think we'll see some more of that um, with, with there being uh, several different uh, vendors in each, uh, each kind of service. I, I think there might be some more of that. And I know we saw that a couple of years ago with, uh, with GSV and Habit IQ um, acquiring some of those. But I, I think more of that will happen in the next couple of years. Do you think well. there's going to be acquisitions or do you think there's going to be exits, like people getting out of the space? Uh, merger acquisition gotcha. is what I would, okay. what I would think. <clears throat> what do, um, oh shoot. I had it, I had it on the tip of my tongue and then, and I, I lost it. I, I apologize. So, okay. So we're, we're talking tech, tech mergers and acquisitions. We're talking, you know, obviously, you know, property managers, you know, you, okay, I got it now. 
180 plus million last year in 2021 for CTG. Are you are you projecting a bigger year in 2022, or are you you think you're you're uh, are about to stay in staying the same? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, <clears throat> that um, potential long-term capital gains increase that people were worried about at the end of 2021 from politics. Um, I think that played a role in some of the, the, the larger property management companies willing to sell in 2021, then hold for another year or two. So okay. we are, I mean, I would love to be able to beat that and we're going to, we're, we're, we're pounding the pavement as much as possible. Um, it's going to be tough, but I, I would, I would definitely love to. There's, there's only so many of those. That, so the amount of deals we did last year wasn't a, wasn't a, a ton more than we typically do. It was the, the kind of the size of each transaction was right. bigger. And, and a lot of that is just because 2021 was absolutely phenomenal um, for a lot of these companies, but there's only so many of those kind of larger, larger companies and a lot of going back to private equity and some family offices and stuff like that, they will have conversations with them and they're like, we want to buy 10, $5 million EBITDA companies a year in our industry. And I'm like, well, then you'll buy the whole industry in one year. So there, there, like, there aren't a ton, uh, there aren't as many kind of larger companies as, as maybe in other industries or something like that. So um, I guess I would love to, I would love to beat it. I, th I think it's gonna be tough, but yeah, we're gonna be, gonna be trying to do as much as possible. I mean, the industry is still incredibly, incredibly hot, yes. So I had a great question. Actually, you, you brought up something I wanna, I wanna pick your brain about, that scenario you just gave. You know, how much of what you do is educating people to the reality of what our business is versus what they've heard or what their research has shown or what they think when they're coming into this space, right? Um, you know, talk to me about having to separate reality from the kind of myth uh, with, with, especially with those types of groups, I won't have you name any more particular, but when, when those are coming to your doorstep. Yeah, that, that is a great point. Um, that there is a lot of, a lot of conversations regarding all of that. Uh, I mean, when literally when Airbnb IPO'd, the conversation was that was everyone called every company in our industry, the Airbnb company and, and all of that. And trying to just explain that that's, that's one of, of several kind of distribution partners. Um, so that, that was always a, an interesting part. And then, yes, um, we had, we had those conversations all the time that, uh, that, that the, there aren't hundreds and hundreds of, of large property management companies, um, it's just a fact, but yeah, we have those probably once a month where, where you got to kind of bring some of the, these people back down to earth on, on what our industry is. And yes, we have great margins, um, for being property management. Um, but yeah, we're, we're an industry of small and medium sized businesses. Well, and those margins come from good operation, right? Because it could be, We've seen in this industry a lot of kind of inflated, you know, people that look big, that look bold, but when you got to the core of their business, they weren't profitable. It wasn't a path to profitability. They were just running and continuing to run through money and surviving by continuing to get more and but didn't really have a sustainable, you know, profitability model that allowed their businesses to see through to success. That's why they're not around anymore. Right. So. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting point, right? When you get into that, like how much, you know, again, business has to be profitable at some point, right? And when you're digging into the numbers, you know, based on your experience, how, you know, what are those conversations like? Yeah, and and I don't want to kind of sidestep this question too much, but um, it really depends on on what the the goal is of the company and because yes in the end profitability is key i preach it most of the deals we do every deal we do is profitable companies all that good stuff but i do have to caveat that that 
that venture back companies, and there's many in our industry, there's many in every industry, the majority of venture back companies are not profitable and, yeah. and they're not profitable for, for reasons. And granted, some of them are worse than others and have worse metrics, but they still shout from the rooftops how great they are. But like the whole point of being venture backed is, is all about growth and scale. And then and R and D and all that stuff, building your tech and all, all of that. And then eventually um, they can, they think they can get profitable and, and it happens when it happens. And some of the, the largest companies in the world are built that way, but also a lot of them fail. And that's, right. that's that whole point. I wouldn't, that, that is, I, I can't really compare that to like a, a, like venture and private equity are completely different. Private equity is looking for profitable companies that are larger. And then there's just strategic buyers that are looking for profitable companies that are smaller or larger or whatnot. But the venture back is like, it's kind of its own beast compared to the rest of the industry. And um, there's pros and cons to it. A lot of those multifamily master lease companies got caught up in yeah. that, in that kind of oh, yeah. just craze. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was, I mean, we, we were doing quite a bit of work with that too. That was kind of hence why we, we created kind of a side real estate brokerage company called Olin Realty because so much of that stuff was, was in, was uh, kind of blurring the lines of real estate, which is super cool, but uh, greed got involved and, and uh, developers were getting greedy. Landlords are getting greedy. Um, some, uh, some of the, the venture was throwing crazy money. So, so the companies had to scale and they were, they were competing against each other in bids for, for these, these long-term master leases. So paying crazy premiums above market and, uh, and then COVID happened. And a lot of them were some, some of the troubles happened beforehand. I mean, we saw them, we were well before, um, COVID right. even happened. So, right. Right. Um, right. but yeah, it's the, I mean, there's a lot of innovation happening and, uh, and with innovation, there's going to be failure and, uh, but that's going to move the industry forward and just add new, new cool business models. Um, we're talking to different companies that property management companies that are now doing hybrids of that mm-hmm. um, with homes and with, with uh, apartments where they're doing some like <clears throat> base threshold and then some splits or yep. that there's so many cool things you can do now um, with different homeowners that, that can keep both sides aligned. And with different owners, right? And having them be more open, right? To, I think that speaks to the success of, of kind of what we're, you've been doing in this space, right? Is having people be more open to that. Whereas, especially on the traditional side, I remember seeing it work when we were working at Rented, you know, those old school developers, they weren't having any of that, right? They, they, you know, the profit split, what is this, right? No, they wanted their, if it, was their, if it wasn't their fixed, you know, don't move my cheese. This is what I'm used to, you know, and this is what we're happy with. And if you didn't run that model, you didn't work with them a lot of times. And so it's good to see that changing for sure. The, uh, the, Oh man, I'm having a hard time today. I apologize for my brain farts all day long, but I want to kind of uh, get to a point where where we can go ahead and wrap this episode up to at a, an essence of time. And I want to know, well, first of all, Jacoby, thank you so much for joining us today, man. We, we appreciate you. There, there's some pretty amazing insights and uh, we definitely want it. We need to get you back on at the end of the year. I want to know, you know, I want to kind of kind of look back that there's a few people that we interview that, that, you know, throughout the year that, that we definitely want to make sure that we get like a beginning of the year and then like what actually happened. And I, I think this will be great to have you back on. So I hope you'll join us. Um, with yeah. that said, good. Uh, hopefully if, if my year's terrible, then, then I might have to decline, but we're the no BS. You know, like if, if you have a shit year, let's talk about it. Hey, we're, you we're this shit year, but you're still standing. That's a, you know, it may not be, a win. Be, but it's a win, right? Absolutely. <laughs> in the game. Hey, we're going to give you the no bullshit assessment, man. But no, and, and in all honesty, look, you know, we know that's a, it's a, actually, you just made an excellent point. You don't win every, all the time. You don't win. It's what you learn from those losses. It's what you learn from not hitting those goals. So, you know, whether you, you blow the year out or not, we'll love to have you back and, and 
talk about it. There's always value there, man, for sure. But you know, with that said, you're you're, you're going to blow it out. We're not. I'm not really worried about that. So, um, do you have any anything you'd like to to leave the audience with today, Jacoby? Um, I, I'm just uh, any of the property managers and vendors in our space, just ton of respect for, for what you guys did um, and how, how you've, how you kind of thrived through COVID because uh, I mean, looking back in, in late March and April of 2020, like that was some scary times and we don't have the overhead of staff that a lot of these companies did have. And uh, just, just to see what they've done and what they've overcome. It's just, uh, I don't know. I just have so much respect and, and uh, uh, yeah, just, love seeing that and and cannot believe how strong some of these people uh are to get get through that and that's another reason why i think that that we're on a a bullish run for the next next foreseeable future well said absolutely hey man i got one more question too i want to go back to bad and and food and beverage just because i like to circle things around (laughs) so Coffee shops, man. Like I'm big on. I'm gonna open a coffee shop. <laughs> Is your dad gonna tell me to run and get? Come on, coffee shops have have great margins. Like that's my idea for retirement. Please, should I do it or are you gonna talk me out of it? Oh man, you uh, if you're passionate about it, I say you jump. Definitely do that. Where where whereabouts are you? Uh, so I'm in Atlanta, uh, but I have business in Portland, Oregon, and in California and some other places. So I'm looking to. I just want a coffee shop because I want it, right? Like, I'm not trying to be Starbucks, but I, you know, hospitality, nothing better than coffee shops, man. That's, I, I love it. A little, little side note for me. I, I, uh, my, my alternate, my, my F and B dream is to, uh, open a, a pizza shop. Um, and I, I won't ever do it because I know, I know the competition is, is terrible, but I, but I can actually toss pizzas. Um, I used to be an assistant manager. I, I love, mm-hmm. Pizza, man. Margins of pizza is good. Hey, look. Pizza and coffee? Is that a thing? It could be. could be. Is it night? No BS. No BS coffee and pizza shop. You're right here. There we go. Hey, Jacoby, man. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to go ahead. There will be a link to your website on our on our page. And we appreciate you joining us. And any any uh, any property managers or anyone that that needs to go ahead and, and is looking for some advice and, and has some questions and wants to get involved or is looking to sell looking to buy yeah. we encourage you to go ahead and reach out to jacoby and c2g advising group links are in the details and brother hope to see you uh sometime soon man yeah thank you guys so much i'll be at verma in chicago in april so what? you guys will be there hope to see oh, you yeah. there we'll, we'll, we'll see you there we'll definitely be there <laughs>